0: We are outdoor ladies who hunt, shoot, and fish, all while working in conservation and chasing kids.
1: I am Julia Pluge with the Nebraska Game and Parks Commission. I'm Rachel Alice with the Iowa Department of Natural Resources. And I'm Tana Fancher
2: with the Kansas Department of Wildlife Parks. Follow us on our outdoor adventures.
1: Greetings, all. Welcome back to She Goes Outdoors. Uh, every year around this time, that kind of November, December timeframe, I always start thinking about what I'm thankful for. You know, I don't know if it's if it's just Thanksgiving, if it's Christmas, if it's memories past, but I just start thinking of fond memories with loved ones, and there's always a common theme, and beyond you know, spending time with those that I love and adore. But but really that common theme is it seems like those memories always, you know, always took place outdoors. This could be as simple as like the swing set when I was really, you know, much younger, or or just sitting at the side of a, a trout stream. You know, my husband and I got engaged up in Northeast Iowa on a trout stream. And and just a lot of those memories just just really uh resonate this time of year.
2: It's so amazing how interacting with nature can transform people. And that's kind of a cliche idea. But what's cool about that is that interacting with nature is such a personal experience. Like it looks different for everyone. And there's a fantastic study out there called The Nature of Americans. And one of the findings was that Americans perceive tremendous benefit from experiences in nature. Um, Nearly all eight to 12 year old children in the study said contact with nature made them happy. Happier and healthier, and deepened their relationships. So it's just so cool. Like, it is such a personal thing to be involved with the
0: outdoors. Today, we are joined by Elizabeth Thacker. She is a guest service and reservation system assistant with Iowa DNR. She's going to talk to us about the experience she had taking youth into the outdoors. However, before we dive into her story, Elizabeth, will you take a moment to
3: introduce yourself and give us a little background about you? Hello, happy to be here. I'm an avid listener of this podcast. Started when Jessica Mankin was on. So listening and catching up on all of the hunting and other stories. I'm from Northeast Iowa and then um loved nature, grew up here hiking in the woods, taking my friends out. And then that kind of experience traveled through and always wanted to like help share that magic and the love of outdoors. So then I went and worked for seven years at Outward Bound. Came back to Iowa because I miss winter. Even though we don't have the same amount of snow I enjoyed as a kid, it's hard to not have it. And so came back home. And work for the city of Des Moines and now um, work for the Iowa DNR and just, it's not even been a year, but it feels like a lot longer and I absolutely love it.
1: I, I hope that uh, feels like much
3: longer is a good thing.
1: <laughs> I think sometimes in state government, we get a little bogged down in, in uh, time on and years of service. So I hope that's a that's a wonderful one year because we certainly enjoyed having you in the DNR. Um, just the excitement about the little things. And I think that's one of the things that we like to showcase on this podcast is, is it's all the little things, right? Mm-hmm. And for those of you that aren't from Iowa and haven't been up to Northeast Iowa, you know, depending on where you are in the state, I often hear all of the parts of the state called God's kingdom or or the land that you want to go to. Um, But I have to truly agree with Elizabeth that Northeast Iowa, it certainly holds a special place. I often say it looks nothing like Iowa. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's the easiest way to explain it. Uh, It's pretty much uh, Southern Minnesota and Southern Wisconsin. Very similar, lots of trees, lots of uh, just jagged cliffs and streams and hills and just, it's absolutely beautiful. So, Elizabeth, interested, you mentioned that you spent seven years with Outward Bound. Can you tell us a little bit more about that organization and, and their mission?
3: Outward Bound, it was started because there was a the huge need of helping the youth actually build their character skills and then grow as people. So, during World War II, when it started, a lot of boats were getting torpedoed by the German tank submarines. And then... The youth were the ones that weren't surviving, so they were on those same ship with what we called the old salts—the sailors that um, really knew their stuff. And they, because they had that experience, they would survive and they would help the youth. But sometimes you just don't have time; you just have to rescue yourself. So Hourbound was spawned off of that and really creating a space for kids to challenge themselves in a safe environment, but then um, gain all those character building skills. Starting in England and then has gone worldwide and so I believe it was like in the 60s it started in North Carolina and then we also moved all over the U.S. So we have Colorado Voyager up in northern Minnesota Maine we got some down in the Keys and then you also have ones out in the west Washington and they do all sorts of different activities in each area so sailing got dog sledding and cross-country skiing or you know, canoeing the Boundary Waters. Then you got hiking and a little more mountaineering in the Rockies. Out in the West, you can go sea kayaking and all the other things that they have out there. I'm not as familiar with that park. Where I worked in North Carolina, we did whitewater canoeing, backpacking, and then rock climbing, where you'd end up multi-pitching on the third day. And then we would go down to southern Florida and go flatwater canoeing in the Everglades. So got sharks and alligators. Mission of it is challenging in a group environment that's safe, but then also you do have those risks. So pushing yourself out of your comfort zone and really exploring what you are capable of.
2: That's so cool. I love when I talk to folks and they talk about their character building experiences as a kid. And one of the biggest things that folks tend to point to as a character building experience is um, my parents kicked me out of the house after, you know, Saturday morning cartoons, and I wasn't allowed to come back until the streetlights came on or, you know, until dinner was ready. There's something. so magical about being outdoors. And yeah, you get all those character building experiences, that leadership and that imagination and creativity, problem solving, like you said. So that's so cool that your organization or the Outward Bound organization has been able to kind of take that and make that into a more formal program. I want to go on these trips. You can. (laughs) (laughs) Well, perfect. So Elizabeth, you mentioned you were taking people rock climbing, you were exposing them to sharks and alligators. This is amazing. What was your formal role with that organization
3: called? My first year, I was an intern. So learning mostly about the organization. And then we did logistics. So all the behind scenes and doing stuff to help support the crews that were out in the field. And then all the rest of the years, I was an assistant instructor. Then I moved up, became an instructor. And then once you do that and you get more experience, then you become a lead instructor in the North Carolina. And then in Florida, you only just get to the instructor level, but it's basically the same as the lead instructor out there. Once you obtain those, then you kind of can do what you want, but then you're in charge of your co-instructors as well. Just kind of being like that last person that if an decision needs to like be made, then and you don't agree with things, then you put your foot down, which I've done once. And it was pretty awesome to feel that and to actually be like, yeah, no, we should do this. I'm, I think this is right. And I'm not going to like back down. Whereas most of the other time it's just working and being co-instructor or sometimes you have three. And so that can have its own challenges, but it's also good because decisions aren't just one person. Whereas if I worked in Australia, they only do one person who runs the whole course. So it's pretty interesting. Not every hour bound is the same, but then you can travel and go work in all of them.
0: I mean, this is sounds very intense and it doesn't sound like your typical kids camp where you just spend like two nights in the cabin and you go home and wash your clothes that weekend and then you come back. It sounds like you spend a lot of time, weeks did you stay at one time in the woods.
3: Yeah, so we do. The longest is like a 28-day, but that's mostly for like 18 and above. And then for 16 to 18 or like 14 to 18-year-olds is our youngest is 14. We do 22-day courses is the max length. Um, But you go down and we'll do like school groups and we'll do like four days for them. And so it can really change because like in South Florida, we do a lot of school groups and you don't want to take away from them actually getting their schooling but then you give them this other character building and so that's usually four days and we don't really want to go shorter because then we can't do all the fun activities and get it all in in a good amount of time And then they also do OLC course so this is for college and then you can do class you can get credit through school Oh, electives do that. yeah okay yeah And then OLC, you do longer. So it's like 56 days. And then there's semester courses that are 72 days and they do um, out of every base camp. So North Carolina, we have three base camps, two in the mountains and one in um, the coast where they go sea kayaking. And then there's a base camp in Florida and then um, in Patagonia, Argentina is the other one. So they go out of all three of them.
0: Wow. I like I can't even imagine both like that mental game from the instructor point of view. And then I can imagine that you probably bring some newbies that haven't spent a lot of time on the outdoors, (laughs) even probably in their front yard, let alone then smack. Here you go. You're going to spend 28 days or 72 days out in the out in the great world outdoors. I mean, explain like that mental game that either you prepared yourself for or even. The participants as well.
3: Mm-hmm. So at the start of, we kind of look at the students where they're coming from. So we get a whole packet of information about each student. And so I look at where they're coming from Um, They might say a little bit of how much experience they might just say, you know, the bare minimum just to like put words down on the paper. And so that kind of gives me an idea of what these kids are coming in with. And so one of my favorite courses about this mental game is I had 12 students. One of them had been camping and the rest were coming from cities and like big cities like Washington, D.C. or like Chicago or these things. So they all, the first night you sleep under a tarp, not a tent. So, tarp. So, I made sure to get tarps that had bug netting because I was like, hmm. I bet they were going to want this. So we put the girls under one tent and the guys under another. And it was really funny because the girls were like, can you come get all these spiders out? So I helped shoo them out. And the boys were like, can you get these mobs out? Like they were so scared. I think they were more scared than the girls were of the spiders. And so, but it was really cool because then by the end, they were helping each other get the bugs out of their tarp. And they made that into their comfort zone. And so I at the beginning helped recognize like, hey, you may feel uncomfortable here, but if I was living in your city, I would probably be more scared than you are feeling now if I was where you were coming from. And so I think that helps them know like you can be like me, you can grow and be more comfortable and it just takes time sometimes.
0: Well, and these kids probably had never, I mean, if they're coming from Chicago or Washington, D.C., they probably haven't even seen a full sky of stars at this point and just the aha moment of even that
3: yeah it was really amazing because that was a 21 day course so you get a lot of time with them and just showing them how nature and all of the different like exciting things and you're not just in one location so you're traveling and I like to pick my campsites because of all the fun nature things or like one of my favorite places Black Boston, so North Carolina has like just these fun ecosystems and it just like look like fairyland. You get into the pine trees and you're just like, Oh, it's so beautiful here. It's fun to share those places. I um really like going out off trail because then you see trees or see flowers that you've never seen seen before like pink lady slippers. And you're like, what? I didn't even know pink ones existed. And you come into top of a hill and you're like, oh, there's like 12 of them. And you just like look around and you're like, guys, we just got to sit here and look at how amazing this is right now. So it's fun to share yourself so that they can see like, oh, this isn't like all the time. Like It's only one time that I've ever seen that. and So it's really cool to share those moments with them.
2: Elizabeth, I have to ask, you've talked about like the mental strength that it takes to go out on these trips, but also the really important personal skills of being able to recognize different levels of comfort and kind of predict some of those and be ahead of that. What are some other traits or skills that um, Outward Bound looks for when looking for an instructor?
3: So I think um, it's good to think about it as like Schooling that you go into, or um, different programs that might help you. So, like Knowles National Outdoor Leadership School was created to train folks to become our our bound instructors. So, it gave you all the hard skills, but in our bound, we also do all of the they call soft skill, and so the character building, recognizing those kind of things. What I like to do is you build to your Um, experiences. When I am going out with another co-instructor, we always get on the same page of how do you learn? How do you want feedback? How do you want to grow? And what kind of lessons do you want to teach? So that way you can get more experience teaching them, get more comfortable because there's certain things that you just have to do to make sure that you get the kids where they're at at the end of the course so they can feel that accomplishment and so then going through those kind of things and learning to your your own person So like, I don't always have the best memory. And so I might not remember all of the nuances of a game or things like that. So I created my own like little book of resources. So if I'm like, oh, these kids are, they really need to do like a listening skill or they really need an initiative right now or a game, but I can't remember it off the top of my head. So pulling that little book out really helped me to give them the right thing for that moment and what they needed. And so that really was really helpful for
1: me. The excitement and and kind of the fond memories. As, as we kind of reminisce and just thinking back to sitting around and, and 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 thinking about good memories and and it's nice sometimes sometimes distance of time allows us to forget some of the maybe the uh, the other sides of things so it's it's fun to hear the the happiness and and excitement in your voice you, you mentioned when you started you were an intern and that you did a lot of the behind the scenes and for those of us that are that do events, that plan, that work in that capacity have maybe an inkling of understanding. But I mean, you're taking groups of people 21 days into the backcountry beyond just like the camping equipment, like the food, the logistics, the vans, the, I mean, check-ins, like all of these moving pieces. Can you my brain is just going like a thousand miles a minute trying to think of all like the logistic needs to like actually get a trip off the ground. Can you just give us a little bit of an insight as to like what kind of craziness that was?
3: So when I was an intern I did the logistics and so it was a lot of fun. Um, So much so that continuous as I was an instructor I would do bits of the logistics um, because it's nice to relax and then be at the base camp, but still helping. And then you get that little off time, but then you're still helping and doing things for the crew. So each course starts off with two days that the instructors um, get everything ready. We call it pre-course. And then during those two days, we plan everything, getting all the food ready to your co-instructor because most of the time you've met them, but you don't always work with everybody. There's different schedules and those kind of things. Meeting your course director, who's going to oversee see and doing all those things and then getting all of your gear. So you get your gear and then you have to go through all the gear to make it, make sure it's like what you want because each instructor is like, no, I like my things labeled this way or no, I want this um, amount of dromedaries that we carry off our water and for probably like two or three hours to pack out all the food for the whole 22 day courses or 28 days. And then you get resupplied. So based on the length of course you have, it's 14 day then you get one resupply and if it's less then you carry everything and so you have all of the food for the whole time which is nice because when you get resupplied then you get new fresh veggies and all of your you know things that should be refrigerated but they can last you know all those kind of fun things and so then you're getting all that stuff together the course day you go out to wherever you're meeting your crew. So if it's um, not a school group, then you usually go to the airport and one instructor does that and the other one goes and sets up all of the gear. So that way when you bring all the kids there, then you already have things laid out and then you go through your typical lessons of like, here's your backpacks. This is what you're going to be using and making sure that you do all the clothes that they need, making sure that they have like just everything because you don't want to get out you know, day three, when you really need some long underwear, because it's really windy. You're like, oh, you don't have any? Like, uh (laughs) uh-oh. So taking that time is essential, getting on that same page during um, the pre-course. And so the logistics staff is doing the behind the scenes of um, in between when you're out, they're going to and setting up your um, resupply or they might even do so like if there's an emergency that happens and the kid has to go to the hospital there's always one person on call that's on the logistics and one person who's like a course director or can manage the those other side of it and so then you have the logi meet you at wherever you're gonna get near road and then you drive to the hospital or they weave a vehicle for you and then it just goes from there so one course I had three hospital visits for two girls and then another kid like hurt his elbow and so luckily I didn't have to do that one because it takes a lot of time because then you're out of the field three days and you're not with the whole group and so but it's good to have a instructor go and not just a logistic because they know that kid and um they're there to support and you build that rapport with them so a lot of fun to do the logistics because when i was an intern we also helped out with like the rock climbing. So we would meet the crews when they went rock climbing and would help set up everything. So there was less time that they had to wait to do those things. And it was just so much fun. I got to hang out with this hour-bound instructor, Jeep, and he showed me all of his skills. And it was pretty amazing.
0: You have to ask, I mean, I mean we were talking about preparing yourself for to be in being outside, um, medical food. But if you're, I mean, the females, how do you prepare a female to be out in the woods for that long for hygiene purposes?
3: Yeah. So I have a lot of kids that, um, want to use like wet wipes all the time to like, you know, we call it wet wipe bath. And it's like, yeah, you can do that, but then you're going to have a lot of trash. So a lot of it is just getting on a good routine of when you go under the tarp and you're changing into pajamas, that you change in all of your clothes or uh, get out of your sweaty things so your air your skin can breathe more. If you're wearing a lot of synthetic, then they kind of get clammy, those kind of things. And then um, we use bandanas for what we call pee rags. And so then making sure that they do that because one of the incidents of having to go to the hospital was because of like a possible yeast infection. And so making sure they understand like, this isn't just, you know, to wipe, it's also to prevent all of these things because you don't want to have to go out of the field or be uncomfortable or those kind of things. And a lot of it is also going number two. So a lot of the issues are the kids are just like, I, I'm going to wait, like it's uncomfortable. And so making it fun for them and showing them like, Hey, yeah, it does kind of suck, but it's also really fun. And you get the best views and you can watch nature and you can score it. If you're like, these kids need a little bit more you can put it on a rank when they come back they have to rank um how well it was from the scene to like going or all of those kind of things so um i was with with my instructors so we were on like a training and for some reason we all had to go at the same time and this was like right next to a river so you're like oh god it's like you have to go way far away to make sure you maintain that 200 yards and then it was really hilly So we all just like went in a train, went up um, a hill, we dug the hole for the first person and then everybody else kept going. So we like just made a train of it and it was hilarious. (laughs) If everybody has to go, that's what you got to do. Absolutely. Act like A a cat and bury it. If you're down in Florida, then it gets a little more fun because you pee off the side of the boat because you pee in the water, not on the sand. And so the ocean is super weird. Like that. You always get confused. So one time, this was hilarious. um, In Florida, we do something weird where we put all of our boats together, bows together, um, sterns together. And then we take these boards out and we lay them across. And then we make basically like a floating raft that we can sleep on. So You know, if we don't make it to our campsite that's on land, then we can make it wherever we want. And so it's really cool like that. And so one of our trips, we had done that, but we had planned to um, board up, that's what we call it. And um, in the middle of the night, somebody gets up and, you know, everybody moves because you're on a boat. And then you can just hear them like uh, moving. And then all of a sudden, (laughs) splash. (laughs) because they didn't see the end of the board and they fell off into the water. It was hilarious, but also a little scary because there was an alligator in the water there. So we were like, "Uh uh Oh, we got to get her out quick. (laughs) Uh, It was fun time going to the bathroom. I think sometimes when I'm in the front country, it's harder because you have to find an actual restroom to go. Whereas when you're in the woods, you can go anywhere. And so, not having that ability is sometimes you're like I just wish I was back there
2: well Elizabeth you have some very colorful memories from your trips it sounds like um is there like a favorite memory or one that jumps out to you as being the most
3: pivotal in your career with Outward Bound so the exciting thing is I was trying to reminisce so I looked back at old photos and I always Somehow, always seem to capture these on video, like some of my most special memories. So, I have a couple, and I think a lot of them have to do with a couple girls who may have viewed themselves differently. So, I had one girl who is like pretty short, and I'm also short. And so, it was she really appreciated that she had me as a role model. And then she ended up doing another course because she liked it so much. And then this other girl, was amazing It's fun to keep and keep in contact and watch them grow because she was an eighth grader and one of her um fellow persons we sit around at the end of our course together and just talk about what happened um reminisce and just kind of reinforce all the things we learned so that way we know that they're going to take it home we're not just like planting seeds and hoping we kind of talk about it and go back over all of the things. And then we do a pin ceremony where they can take a pin and or not take it. And they'll tell us like why they wanted to take it, what memories, what they learned from their experiences. One of my most favorite was a girl talking about compassion. So it was fun to hear all of her fellow eighth graders talk. And they're all like, you know, this is what compassion means. This is what compassion means. And this girl's like, I think compassion is kind of like the comfort zones. So you got that first one where um, you're at home. That's kind of like, you know, you have empathy for some, or sympathy for somebody. And then you go out in that stretch zone. That's kind of like having empathy. And then she's like, but if you're in that panic zone, that furthest one, that's like true compassion. And so it takes time to get there and to move it. And it was just, it was amazing to sit there and hear her talk about. like that because I never thought of it and so it's really fun to learn and grow from them in those special moments and that comes through time and giving space for them to actually communicate where we don't push what we want them to say but we give them that time to reflect
0: so we're talking it just seems like we're talking a lot about uh kids you know under 18 I mean, honestly, this sounds like something that adults need to do as a person that is, you know, just a little over 18. <laughs> do you have a group for camps for adults as well?
3: Yeah, definitely. So I actually did one. Um I forget what it was actually called, but this was a lot of folks that were transitioning. And so I had a range of folks from like 30 and to, I think about like 66 year old. And we went out and it was nice because then they kind of similarly talked about the same thing, being an adult and having more experiences. They could um, reminisce about those, but then also communicate more with other folks about this is what I'm transitioning, or I just changed jobs from this to this. And so it was really fun to experience the woods with uh, a different population. But then Hourbound also does um, from programs. And so these ones are designed that you can call one of the Hourbounds and then they'll help pay or if not pay for everything, even travel to get you out to wherever they have these programs. So we have them in North Carolina. Um, we have a lot of them in Florida. And those were amazing programs to like, just talk about what happened for them as a vet and then that transition back home. And so I kind of think, as we talked about the history of Our Bound, it also helps them with that rigid programs and the stuff that they did as vets, but then help them with that transition of maybe... We need to communicate, or do those soft skills, or that time, or those experiences with one another, and knowing that you have resources with your fellow crewmates or other folks. Yeah, they do them all over different kinds of things, and it's pretty awesome. I can't wait until I do one.
0: It sounds like, and maybe Tana, this might be good for you as you prepare for your big wedding date maybe this is (laughs) something that like should be like a pre-marriage encounter weekend go out with your fiance for 28 days and can the two of you survive together through that and if you can then you're meant to be
2: (laughs) I think that's probably true that would be a (laughs) lot of fun (laughs) so I'm curious Elizabeth um as far as getting involved in the program is it like a really competitive application process? Is it something that anyone can sign up for? How does
3: that work? I don't think it's that competitive. I'm not that familiar with that side of it because it's, we called it the town office would deal with all of those things. But our crews are limited to the number of um, people we can get into like a 15 passenger van. And so we top out at 12, but you know we have a lot of courses going on seasonally. So it was really nice like spring summer, fall in North Carolina. And then you also have Florida that you can go do things. So I don't think it's that competitive, but it also, a lot of it has to do with your medical and getting screened to go out there. Mm Because if you have medical issues that might prevent you, but we do work with folks. So we had school groups that went out and if somebody's in a wheelchair, it was pretty awesome. The parent of the kid got the made sure that they had a wheelchair that was ready. And then they had already been in discussions with Our Bounds like years in advance because they knew their kid was going to do this when they got into eighth grade. And so then they also stacked the crew for them to make sure that it was inclusive and could work and people would push, you know, sometimes you don't want a kid who's like really raring to like hike fast. And then you have a person with a wheelchair because that dynamic can lead to a lot of things. So that can be helpful. If you're not in a school group, then it's just what ends up together. And so it can be really fun. And it's also good for us to experience that. That's, I think, one of the reasons why I left that rebound though. When I was leaving, I, think I noticed the kids were changing. So when I grew up, we went outdoors a lot. We kind of were inclusive and teamwork and team building skills. And the last course I did in North Carolina, it didn't seem as much about the kids wanting to do team building skills. And that was kind of hard to um, work with because I'm like, that's kind of what we do here. We have to work together to accomplish these things. Instead of me trying to figure it out, I think the best thing I did for myself was to get time away because I'll probably always be an outward bound instructor, probably go back eventually, but it's also nice to experience the world and not through the lens of an instructor because you miss out on a lot of things because you're in the woods for that long. And so it's nice to now experience it and be like, okay, this is where kids may be coming from. I don't have kids. I'm not in that environment as much. And so it's kind of hard to see, but I think knowing what's going on, it's kind of seeing what's happening to
1: them. Really interesting to hear that insight because um, I, I, I've kind of been stuck on this. Like, so you go for 22 days plus the two days prior. So, I mean, like you have a 30-day commitment per group and you're, you're out of it, right? Like you're just in the woods and you're fully ingrained in and engrossed with that group. And then you come back and it's like, I mean, do you read 30 days of newspapers to like remotely try and catch up, right? Like lack of connection, I, I think would be really a, a hard piece. And, and so, yeah, that's where my mind's been while you've been talking. It's just kind of thinking about that. And, and furthermore, like each group must have its own personality and character, like that group dynamic thing. It would be really interesting to see, you know, you have one really great group, And then you hope the next one's as great, right? Like, uh, I don't know. Um, Like, I I recognize that we don't like live in like a Disney script, but in my brain, like on the third day, everyone got along, you know, like you opened up enough. But just do you have any any uh, thoughts or, or things to draw from your experiences on on any of my my ramblings?
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think that's a big part of it is even instructors, like when we were in a group, we still go through the same things. We call it like norming. Then you're forming your group and then you can storm. Then you can go back to norming. Then you can go, I think the last one is like performing, you know, they all rhyme and things. And so you'll see this happening in a group where they're going through these different stages and then making sure that you recognize that so you can give them the skills that they need, that character building skills. They need to listen or they need a challenge or maybe they need conflict resolution to work through what's going on. I think one of the hardest things is also knowing your, your group before you go out. So like we planned a trip in South Florida where we went through the mangroves. We like have tunnels and like little streams that you can go down. And we did that with a group of girls and they just like freaked out the whole time. And I was like, yeah, I'm probably not going to do that again with this school group, because it seemed to be the norm for that school that they would freak out because you see these crabs and they're going upside down, but then they're, they're big, but not super big like crabs big, but you first glance at them and you're like, are those spiders? And so they just like, it was too much for them. And then when you get them into like that panic zone, then it's hard to get them and bring them back to being comfortable. And if they're out in the woods and not, it's not like comfortable for them, you might not get back to where you can actually learn or teach them. And so I think that's why that two-day planning can really help the group. But I always like to bring the magic so, you know, if you're in a location and you can't build a fire, I like to whip out a tiki torch because seeing that flame could really bring and <laughs> make you comfortable or like oh, one of my best trips, we were doing this um, off trail and it was like horrid. Like we went through like um, raspberry bushes. We went up and down like mountains. It felt like we had already been hiking for a while and we didn't get to the campsite until like. I think 2am. And the campsite was like at the end of the off trail. Like you just like ended up there. Oh my gosh. And so we were probably like 10 minutes away and I could see these kids were like crashing. They were tired and all those things. So I just opened my bag and I had Oreos and I was like, we could do this. So I whip out Oreos. We all got a little sugar rush and then we made it to the camp and then just got in our sleeping bags and went to bed. So it's also having those special moments to help bring them back to know like, hey, we see you. And and then that really helped having that early. Because if they have that challenge of that long day early, then they know every other day is going to be easier and they know they can do it.
1: I can't imagine what your bag must have looked like, like <laughs> tiki torches and Oreos. I mean, I know when I pack my hiking bag, both of those things are put in like the non-necessary file, right?
0: It's like totally that mom purse or that like I'm envisioning Mary Poppins right now when she's pulling out the uh, the lamp and then the big old umbrella. And well, she had me at Oreos because I mean, an Oreos, even in my house, sometimes that's what keeps me going all the way through. You have that one little Oreo and sometimes they're just lifesavers. And it sounds like that Oreo literally was the key piece in that trip. I don't think Mm -hmm. I've ever experienced
2: eating just one Oreo though. Well, true, (laughs) true. That's so cool. And I, what I love about this program is we don't think about it and maybe especially with like our generations, but being outdoors is such a privilege and experiencing nature in these wild spaces it's, it's such a incredible thing that some people don't have the pleasure of being exposed to when they're young or even as adults. And so I love the way that this program makes those wild spaces available to everyone. And those experiences available to everyone, because we, I think it's easy to forget how lucky we are um, to have access to these things. And it can be easy to look down on other people and be like, Oh, they're just city slickers. They don't ever get out and camp and hike and fish. And, uh, you know, that's not what it's about. It's it's, a, it's an incredible thing that we have access to. I love that Outward Bound is sharing that with other people and making that more widely available. Elizabeth,
0: you have shared lots of great stories and it sounds like you've had so many different types of trips. What has been, what was that your favorite trip that you can just recall all the time? Where, I mean, just, I guess, explain explain it. What were you doing? Where were you at? What was that favorite trip?
3: Hmm. I don't, I think mine isn't with North Carolina. I think mine was a more recent trip with my family. We went to the boundary waters during um, COVID in 2020, and I didn't realize how stressful. The pandemic was until I got out there and we were just like didn't have to worry about it it was so peaceful and you could just really let go and that inner peace came in and it was was just so magical and then there was a couple campsites that were out in this world like one had the um, toilet at the top so it was kind of like a throne and was also on like a rock that we could be at and it was just so amazing and then we canoed and we got to this other campsite that we kind of heard about. It was an island in the Boundary Waters. So we ended up camping there and then going on all these hikes. And when you got up high, you could just see all of it. It was like like probably one of the highest points I think in you know north northern Minnesota. And it was it was spectacular. And then I think I just stayed for. Like, maybe even a week later, I could still feel that peace that that trip brought me. And thinking of that when we were out there, my grandma went during World War II. And so when I was out there, I was like, why would she go during World War II to the Boundary Waters? And afterwards, I was like, oh, I get it. When things are stressful, you need to go outdoors because that helps re remind you what you're doing these things for, why you want to share that and reflect and then. Just know that you can keep pushing on. You keep keep going.
1: If our listeners are interested in learning more about Outward Bound or supporting the organization, maybe even
3: signing themselves up for a trip, where do you suggest they start? They can look at any of those states or worldwide. Um, just look up Outward Bound, and you can find locations. You know, can go to South America. You can go to Japan or the whatever you want to kind of do. You can also do so dog sledding. I suggest like kind of being free and looking what you can do. The city programs. So some of those city kids were coming through a thing called summer search. Not sure if they still do it, but there's different programs out there. Or My hope one day is to have where we send kids from Iowa to go and experience it. So if you're from Des Moines, pretty big. We're not the same, but get those kind of kids out there. So
2: before we wrap up today, I'm curious, um, Julia, Rachel, what
0: are your favorite outdoor memories from when you were children? You know, mine, I didn't, my family wasn't big into camping, or fishing. Uh, when I was growing up, you know, and that's kind of why we're centering this 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 podcast because we're adult onset outdoor ladies. And but my mem- now that we're talking through this, having this conversation about Outward Bound, I keep reflecting back to going to 4-H camp and just having that opportunity to stay in a cabin and hike through woods that honestly these woods and if you're it's a camp between lincoln and omaha and so but you just still have the opportunity to go hiking or play in a lake or go canoeing so you know that is what i remember most about my outdoor memories just having that opportunity to to go to camp for seven days and now thinking so similar to to these outward bound and they having that opportunity to do something similar, but to even to the next level.
1: So I was lucky enough to, to spend my summers at a lake. So we, we packed up when school got out, which in new England was, you know, the last week of June, which I know everyone in the Midwest is like appalled that I went so long, but that's what you did. You started after labor day and you went through the end of June. So we packed up, And like june 26th every year and we drove 1200 miles from massachusetts to indiana and then we spent the next month so we we stayed until the first week of august at uh our lake house and and spent time with my grandparents and we had like free reign of about 10 cottages so you got up you had breakfast and then You were gone, um, whether you were catching frogs, trying to catch tadpoles, trying to build a, you know, a, a minnow colony, like whatever you were doing, we were just out playing, and and those are some of my fondest, absolutely fondest memories and friends that I've I, I still have to this day, and 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 are some of my dearest friends. So, those are my fondest memories, and and something that I hope to to be able to share and impart with my kids, just that love of of nature in whatever form, whether it's a, whether it's a bird flying overhead, even when you're walking in the city or, or, you know, the actual expanse of the mountains and, and the awe-inspiring just vastness. Um, but the, that nature really does come in so many different forms and, and just to be appreciative that we get to enjoy and, and be part of it all. Tiana, what about you? <laughs> oh,
2: gosh, you know. I think about, I was fortunate, my parents were very outdoorsy, so we camped, we fished a lot. Um, I grew up in Lawrence, Kansas, so we spent a lot of time at Clinton Lake, that was kind of like our home away from home, Um, both boating and fishing out there, but also just kind of hiking around and enjoying the scenery, but for whatever reason, I'm actually thinking of my grandma's farm. Um, You know, when we were little, her pasture and the uh, surrounding shelter belt felt like this wildscape and this vast expanse of forest when really, you know, it was a shelter belt. And we used to go out there and just, it was the only place that it felt like we were kind of free range and feral. And so we would go and we would build forts and we would scrounge around and have to solve all these problems and be outdoors. And our conversation with Elizabeth, with you today, it just has made me think about that experience and how much that probably shaped me (laughs) and my brothers as we grew up and really um, laid a foundation for some of the characteristics and experiences that have carried over into adulthood. So... That's really so cool. And that's on such a small scale compared to what's happening at Outward Bound. But I really appreciate the conversation today. It's It's been a reflective one.
0: You know, Elizabeth, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate you're willing to share your story. We've made some incredible connections and I'm sure you will continue to do so. If anyone is planning to stay within Iowa State Parks, you might be lucky enough uh, to talk to Elizabeth. Any last thoughts you'd like to share with our listeners today? I think it's
3: just special any moment that you can get out into the outdoors, whether it is at a family farm or with family or with a group. And there's just so many more opportunities it feels like these days. So get out there, have fun. If you call, you might get me and then I'll give you some feedback on different fun things. We just went to Backbone and hiked the ridge and saw some amazing eagles and I was beautiful and I've been a few times to Nebraska, and that was amazing. I haven't been um, further south, though, so I need to get down there to get in outdoors, but it's been lovely chatting with you all. Enjoyed the reminiscing and brought out a lot of good memories for me.
1: Well, thanks again, Elizabeth. And really, as Tana put it so eloquently, a really reflective conversation where kind of brought us all back. And I think getting in in especially this time of year, it seems like there's just such a hustle and bustle that we're all going in so many different directions and you got to get this can't forget that to just take, you know, an hour to to think about why. Why do we want presents? Why? Are, why are we worrying about this? It's because we love those people and we want them to really enjoy um, this time of the year and to spend time with them. So uh, I truly appreciate your time this morning speaking of adventures be sure to follow she goes outdoors facebook page uh, for updates on our program as well as some of the adventures of our team and our extended family uh, we do have subscription boxes available right now if you miss the ice fishing there are still some available and then we're actually uh pollinators our registrations are open so get get on and get going and we're looking forward to having our upcoming educational zoom for our ice fishing ladies here in january so uh, as always remember to subscribe get your updates on new episodes like us rate us share with your friends and we can't wait to see you outdoors